0: You've got Ted Corliss with the Corliss Barfield Trial Group. Very excited today to begin a trial lawyers roundtable to address some of the many barriers that we face this year, 2020, turns out to be not the best year for jury trials. I think there's so many amazing things going on, some of them absolutely horrible, some of them incredibly frightening. But the truth is, as trial lawyers, we will always persevere. Today I'm going to have the opportunity to meet with some professionals who have lots of experience before juries in the state of Florida and elsewhere. My first uh, component is, of course, my law partner, John Mulvihill. John is a former state attorney, now turned personal injury amazing at our firm. And I also have the pleasure of bringing in Justin Petraeus who has extensive experience as a criminal defense attorney. Specifically, he is a board-certified expert in criminal law, which means he spends a lot of time in the courtroom. And more importantly, he is the co-chair of the Hillsborough County Bar Association's Criminal Law Section. And so he's going to be able to give his perspective on some of the things we're facing in 2020 if we're going to be effective at what we do. And me? Well, I'm Ted Corliss. And I'm a property insurance lawyer with 25 years experience as a trial lawyer. And there's a lot of things going on this year that I think we can talk about today for the benefit not only of our clients, but also for other lawyers who are examining the same issues that we're going to talk about. For example, are we going to have jury trials this year? Right now would be very difficult without jurors. What about issues associated with race? if George Floyd brought people to the streets, what effect is that going to have on jury selection? Should trial lawyers ask about it? Will judges even permit it? These are the kinds of things we're gonna talk about today, and you're gonna have the benefit of hearing from some lawyers who I have enormous respect for, and they're gonna be able to help us make some decisions moving forward. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us, Ted.
1: Yes, thank you very much, very excited to be here.
0: Thank you for being here. Justin, uh, tell me, are we going to have jury trials in 2020?
1: Uh, Every time I I talk to other colleagues about it, I come to the same conclusion that I don't think we can have jury trials in 2020 uh, without a vaccine. I don't see how there's too many steps. There's a few steps we could get around to, but we can't have 14 jurors in a box for three to six 10 days at a time. I just don't see how it's possible.
0: Well, you know, I was looking at some of the information coming out of the two states that have already attempted to have both criminal and civil jury trials, those being Oregon and uh, New York State. My understanding is that traditionally, New York State reported that approximately 20% of the jurors that they called for duty would uh, usually not appear. So they had about 80% people who got jury summons appear. Well, those numbers have reversed. And now more than 80% of the people that are called for these jury trials aren't showing up and 20% are. For me, as a trial lawyer, that changes everything. If you're going to completely re-scramble the people who show up, uh, what their motivations are, who are those 20% who will show up under any circumstances? Not always a good thing. Uh, John, what, what's your reaction to this, uh, the, the way we think COVID is going to affect jury selection?
2: Well, in a lot of ways, I think ultimately the number one way is you already touched on how many people are going to actually show up because the things that people don't know until they show up to jury selection is before they even start, you're in a big room, usually in Pinellas County, Hillsborough County, you go into this large room with several hundred of your closest friends, other potential jurors. And then you get broken up and you start your jury selection where you're sitting shoulder to shoulder with anywhere from 21 to 30 plus other jurors in a courtroom while the the, the potential attorneys that are trying the case are questioning you during the selection to narrow it down to either seven or 14 jurors, depending on the the type of the case. So I think that's going to be a real difficult task to get people to agree to come into those situations. And then even if we do without a vaccine, we're going to be asking an already strained court system to implement some sort of social distancing program or something to assure these jurors that they can not be potentially exposed to a, a an infection that we don't have a real or it doesn't appear we have a real grasp on or hold
0: on right now. Uh, I have to tell you, right before uh, we started the show today, I received an order from a judge in the Middle District of Florida from uh, Judge. Uh, Mary Scriven, Judge Mary Scriven, and I had asked her uh, via a motion last week whether or not I could appear at a meeting uh, July 13th, which she had specifically ordered that lead counsel be physically present with each other to address potentially settling the case, which (laughs) the idea the insurance company is going to settle that case amuses me because, of course, they won't. But I think what I was surprised by is she actually granted my motion and she's going to allow me to appear uh, by Zoom. And the idea is that's saying something to me because traditionally, excuse me, the judges are are pretty uh, strict with those kinds of rules. Have you all had some experiences with judges where it looks like they're starting to open up the idea of using electronic communications uh, to substitute for hearings or mediations? Have you seen those kinds of things? I mean, in the civil side, it's already
2: happening. I mean, every hearing we go to right now is done via telephone or via some sort of video conference. So is every deposition and every mediation. And there's still a standing order in Florida indicating that under most circumstances, it should be done unless there's some extenuating circumstances why it can't be done. So on the civil side, yes, and I, I also I'm on the, uh, the civil trial section of the Florida Bar and I get emails all the time asking us about what interactions we've had with the court system, the use of technology, what we think would better assist the court on the civil side in having hearings, specifically evidentiary hearings, using technology to prevent parties from having to actually appear in the courthouse. So. I think regardless of what happens with COVID, this is potentially the way of the future. And I think for the foreseeable future, there's going to be very minimal in-person hearings uh, in the state of Florida in civil court. Now, I, I, Justin can touch on criminal court, but that's, I think, the way it's going to be going in civil court for the foreseeable future.
0: No, Justin, before you answer that, uh, you, know, you obviously being on the criminal side of things, uh, John and I on the civil side. My understanding is most of the courts are reporting that criminal cases will get the uh, bulk of the resources until they get caught up on their trials. Is that what you're hearing?
1: Yes. Uh, and specifically in Hillsboro, the civil judges have agreed that if we do go back to jury trials in person, that they will wait. I believe it's 60 days before they even after a criminal jury trials start before they start civil jury trials, so that a the pool of jurors all go to criminal juror, uh, trials, and b my assumption is and they didn't say this but they're going to have to pull a lot of civil judges in to do some criminal trials just because they're going to have to I mean there's a lot of people in custody that have been just waiting, that their cases need to be tried. There's no other resolution.
0: For context, I want to address why it is that so many of the court systems would place the rights and interests of criminal defendants over those of civil litigants. Most of the time, civil litigation is a retrospective analysis. And what I mean by that is when we're in trial, we're talking about an event or conduct or uh, some kind of error that was triggered by something that an individual did or didn't do. If we put it in the context of personal injury, it could be because of a car accident that occurred sometime years ago or months ago. If it's a, for my business, for example, I'm a property insurance lawyer, so what happens is a claim is made to an insurance company for something Uh, usually associated with some kind of event that causes physical damage to the structure. Well, that means that by the time we get the case to a jury trial, we already know what happened and we're trying to figure out who's responsible for it. But the difference with criminal law is criminal cases, yes, they are obviously about a crime that occurred in the past, but the trial becomes an issue about what are we going to do in the future, and time becomes very much of the essence. That's because we obviously have constitutional rights, including the right to a speedy jury trial, uh, meaning that you can't be locked up in jail for two years because the court lacks the necessary resources. Well, are there any precedents for such a disturbance in the trials that we conduct. Well, let's see, in the end of March, on March 22nd, March 26th, the Florida Bar, in conjunction with several individual counties, uh, implemented best practices associated with how to conduct their work. Now, jury trials are certainly a big part of that, but so are the various times that the individual judges would meet with uh, you the you know the litigants uh, over evidentiary issues or scheduling and in addition to that we conduct ourselves in depositions because we do those in conjunction with each other if if i'm working against a lawyer it's our responsibility as uh, as counsel for the case to work together to conduct all of the discovery necessary to learn more about the issues and defenses in the case. Uh, sometimes that's a bit of a challenge, especially if you're dealing with lawyers who think that discovery is all about attacking the other lawyer. And so that's a long way to say, is there, again, back to this question, are, is there a legal precedent for disturbances that began in March and essentially lock down most of the jury trial system as of now, today, which is June 30th, or the fact that they're not gonna be able to seat a jury for a while. Well, if you think back to 2008, when the commercial mortgage-backed securities collapsed, there were a lot, and I mean a lot, of homes that were going into foreclosure. Well, now you've got there were literally were towns in the state of Florida, for example, F- Fort Myers, Florida had more than 30,000 evictions. And so we the problem was there were so many at once that it literally choked the jury system for 2 years. And they had to set up judges just to deal with that. And so Uh, You come back to this, gentlemen, uh, do do you think they're going to have to figure out a way to create special dockets to deal with these issues, or is this just going to be the fact that for six months, America, at least Florida, doesn't have jury trials?
1: Well, I do think they're going to do special dockets. I I, I still don't know how they can do a jury trial, but I think they're going to try to do what they refer to as rocket dockets, which, at least in the criminal court system, they'll bring in. Usually, they'll bring in all the prosecutors that'll come down to court at once. Even the head prosecutors, they'll they'll have all the public defenders and the private attorneys that have cases that they want to try to work out, and they'll just try to get as many deals done in a short period of time. A lot of times in a criminal case, you know, uh, the line attorney for the state who's handling it can't make certain decisions. He has to he or she has to talk to his or her boss and get a decision that could take weeks or even maybe a month. Whereas in a rocket docket, you have your boss right there, you walk over, you say, let's, let's get rid of this case. And they do that as as many as they can to, to limit the backlog, but it's not going to completely get rid of the backlog. And that's only for cases they can work out. There's still, like you said, so many trial cases where, I mean, they're going to throw other judges at it. I think they're going to have to. They're going to bring a lot of judges in and bring them from civil and family and just say, "Hey, we need you to do jury trials for 2 months." But that only get that only helps the judge aspect of the equation. It doesn't help the jury aspect of the equation, which I still don't see how they're going to do that.
0: Well, let's uh let's talk about the differences between civil and criminal. Now, in the civil world, most of the time when the lawyers are discussing the facts of the case, they've already had an opportunity to talk at length with their clients, to talk about what they would be willing to pay to resolve it. But in, in criminal law, it seems to me that the, the lawyers tend to work very much in the courtroom together, you know, you versus the prosecutor, and then the judges up front. You guys are working in that environment. Is that an accurate statement?
1: Yes. You, generally, I'm working with the prosecutor. We're trying to resolve the case, and once we do, it is extremely unlikely that the judge is not just going to, I don't want to say rubber stamp it, but not going to agree with our decision. So the judge is just moving the case along for the most part and making sure it's a fair resolution. But, yeah, I'm working with the prosecutors in court trying to work it out, or usually out of court, but sometimes in court you can get last-minute deals done.
0: Now, John, you, uh, as a personal injury attorney, have you seen any effect that these that the COVID-19 lockdown um, has had on your negotiating to get cases resolved?
2: Yeah, I think there's uh, on both sides, on both my client's side and also the insurance company's side, a desire to try and resolve cases. I don't think it's any exponential increase, but there's a slight uptick, I mean, because The insurance companies understand that these cases could go on for extended periods of time, and that's extra money that they may have to pay out to the defense attorney that's handling the defense of the case. And then also on my side, the clients understand that this is a resolution that may take year plus from today to get to a jury trial. So I think you combine those two things together it adds up to a recipe of both sides potentially being able to move a little bit more willing to move a little bit more to uh, work something out to try and get the case resolved so i have seen a slight uptick in resolution of cases i wouldn't consider it anything of any exponential increase but definitely a slight uptick and i've also noticed judges are starting to on the civil side i think in a way to try and alleviate the the trial docket they're sending more cases on the civil side to what we call non-binding arbitration, um, which is an out-of-court, you know, opportunity for both sides to present their case to an arbitrator or a panel of arbitrators that make a decision, but that decision is not binding on the parties. They basically make a recommendation, but I think the effect that the judges hope that has is that one side or the other is gonna have to take a long, hard look at the viability of their case, and if they have a group of arbitrators that make a decision that Isn't what they think the case is going to pan out to be. Somebody's going to one side's going to have to take a long, hard look and say, "Do we maybe want to get rid of this or get this case resolved and not risk a jury trial that's going to be a year plus away?" So I think those are two major ways that I've seen uh, things change in the short term with COVID. And then obviously later we can talk about the long term and how it may happen. But that's what I've seen in the
0: short term. Uh, let's let's finish talking a little bit about some of the practical things and then I want to move to talking about how COVID, how the coronavirus might actually be affecting jurors' uh, attitudes. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. But this practical piece of conducting ourselves in courtrooms or in hearings via Zoom. For those kinds of things, I think, and I would appreciate your opinions. I believe they're going to have a positive effect, not just on the current docket that we deal with, but also in the future. Meaning that I believe, you know, you've got a lot of uh, older judges uh, who are not necessarily that tech savvy, especially those who have not practiced law maybe for decades and have never been asked to even conduct a hearing on their own via even a conference call. That every time they ever did anything, it was in the presence of a court reporter and in a courtroom. That's one thing where I've also had experiences now over these last 90 days of attending mediation conferences, which can be lengthy. They can be, you know, 8, 10, 14 hours of negotiating. And it seems to me the use of electronic communications has actually made that exercise more efficient because people are not messing around. They're not getting up and walking between rooms and going over getting a cup of coffee. I mean, some of these mediators are really, uh, they take really good care of you at these mediation conferences. They'll bring in all these snacks and you can just sit there and talk for hours and, you're, and the idea is to get the parties to really relax and talk about the substance of their dispute. Those are, that's, that's one thing. But when you start talking about allowing jurors to uh, participate and make decisions after they sat through a Zoom conference for days, that rings alarm bells for me. A couple of issues. Number one, think about that email that you got from that friend of yours, or maybe not so friendly person, and it was pretty aggressive. And then when you met with them in person, all that aggression went away. The anonymity of digital communications could have a negative impact on juror attitudes, I think. And the other issue is many times judges have difficulty keeping jurors' attention on the facts of the case because of the the number of jurors, or, or pardon me, the number of witnesses that are called, the the quantity of documents that have to be examined and it's different if you're sitting in your living room watching this versus being in a room with the other jurors. I also believe that jury trials are a very much in-person experience because if you as a juror are going to make certain conclusions, draw certain conclusions about the evidence, I think you should have to present your opinions in front of people. I don't think that the anonymity of the digital world can capture that. I think if you're going to look at the other jurors and say, I want to convict this guy and send him to jail for a very long period of time, or if I'm going to look at these litigants, civil litigants, and say, I'm going to deny your life insurance case because I don't like your haircut. Uh, it's it's just this idea that I think that the digital world, or rather I should say, the real world isn't ready for the digital world if we're trying a jury case. How do you all feel about that?
1: Go ahead.
2: Go ahead. Well, I would agree, Ted. I mean, ultimately, I think two, twofold. The, the anonymity is a problem. I mean, I, I think it's a lot easier for someone, as you said, to just be very cold or dismissive and just write someone off on the civil side let's say on my world it's someone that was injured in an accident and they just automatically assume that because it was a car accident that they're not making a legitimate claim and they they're not really paying attention and they're not getting the in-person experience that you you should have at a jury trial but i also think that the 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 besides the anonymity part of the, just the digital world i think it's also an attention thing i mean how are we going to ensure and this is somewhat of a silly example, but how are we to ensure that someone's supposed to be sitting for jury duty, they have their TV set up right behind their camera, their phone's on mute, and they're watching Netflix while they're supposed to be paying attention during a jury trial. So I mean, those are things that are going to from a practical standpoint that are going to have to be worked out as well. And I mean, it's a big deal on the civil side. And I think it's even a bigger deal on the criminal side. And, you know, Justin can talk to that way more than I can about it. So, I mean, I think from my standpoint, those are some issues that we're going to have to deal with. I mean, the short
1: answer is I would never agree to a Zoom jury trial for a criminal case. I would, I mean, I can't imagine any of my clients would even without my advice, but I would never do that. I mean, number one, like you said, Ted, it is I would think it would be easier to find someone guilty. I mean, I have, there's obviously no studies on this because we don't do Zoom jury trials. But my educated guess would be that it is easier just to say, well, I'm not there. You know, he did it. But I think I'd be more worried about the attention because even, even though John's example is, I think, not as crazy as it sounds, but it's also easy to just have an article that you're reading on the computer while maybe you have two screens. How many of us now have two screens? You have one screen up on your Zoom, right. you have one reading. I
0: have three. There you go. You have two? I have three. So
1: you're reading an article on ESPN <laughs> okay. while you're watching the trial and you're half paying attention. And that's, it's not acceptable because maybe you missed something small. And I don't, I would, I mean, I, no judge, I don't think, no criminal judge would force you to a Zoom trial. I can't imagine that because the appellate issues are gonna be numerous. Now, judges can force you to a non-jury trial, but then they have to promise not to put you in jail afterwards. So if you committed a felony, I don't know how they can do that. Now, a lot of county court judges, if you committed a small misdemeanor, they can say, well, no matter what, I'm not going to put you in jail. So now we can do it without a jury. But that's, that's a whole different Interesting.
0: Thing. I didn't know that. Okay.
1: Yeah, Both sides can agree that they're not going to go to jail, or the judge can step in and say, even though the prosecutor wants jail, no matter what happens... I'm not going to put you in jail, so now you're not entitled to a jury trial.